Take your Bibles, if you would, this morning and turn to the book of Ruth. There, there are really kind of three types of people that we all have in our lives. And, and we could even, we could use this not just to our workplaces and not just to our family and not just to our friends, but, but we could specifically use this to, to our church. And the three categories are kind of the middle category is one that, that's very broad and very wide, has the most group of people. And that's the people in our life that we're, we're fine that they're there in our life, like you know, we, we pass them, we see them, we, we love them, we care for them. We, 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 you know, if we don't see them, hey, we missed them. If we do see them, hey, it's great to see you. And you crossed a bunch of people today already in this room and in these hallways and so forth that, you know what, that's your church family, that's your family, you care about them, you love them, you're glad to see them. Hey, what's up, fist bump, all that kind of stuff took place. The other kind of people that you have in your life and that to practically speak of here in our church are people that you you went out of your way to avoid. Like when they call, you're like, oh, no. And, and I have people in my life, like in every church I've pastored, like they're walking down the hallway and I'm kind of thinking, is there a bathroom right here? Is there a hallway? Is there a classroom I need to go into? Don't laugh. At, don't, don't look at me and judge me. You, you have people like that in your life, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, and yes, even in your church, people that you, you just really don't want to be around because it's not going to be a good thing and there's not going to be good things said and so forth and so on. Don't point the finger either this morning because... You might be that person to other people uh, as well. But there's the third kind. And it's kind of sad. It really is. And it's also a good thing. The kind of people that, that you really want to be around. Like you see them walking down the hallway and you kind of light up. And, you know, maybe they call you or they send you a text message. And, and all of a sudden there's like, oh, man, what in the world? I'm excited to hear from this person because they're, they're kind. I've had people like that in my life that, and that have been in the churches that I've been a part of, been in, been in my family and, and been friends of mine and acquaintances and so forth that, that I gravitate to those people. There's times that, you know, those people in your life and you make a point to connect with them. You make a point to say hi to them because you know something refreshing, something kind. Just It's not that they are kind or that they act kind. It's that truly, genuinely, kindness is who they are. And there's people like that that we encounter, and there's, there's that aspect of kindness that we all find ourselves drawn to. In the story of Ruth, there's a lot of themes, and there's a lot of things that we're looking at to focus on in the story of Ruth. But one subtle, steady thread that runs through the story of Ruth is the word kindness. You see it pop up on the surface in several times, but, but when you really back up and you look at the story of Ruth, every major turning point, every pivot point within the story of Ruth centers on an act and an element and an attitude of kindness. You, you could really say that this book is about kindness and that we see a unique kindness through the different characters as they display it. We see kindness go away. We see kindness come back and we see kindness absolutely change the lives of the characters involved in this story. And the text that we get to this morning in, in Ruth, Ruth chapter 2 beginning in verse 17, really hones in very closely on this idea of kindness how it affects these two widow women and specifically where the kindness comes for, comes from. 
So if you draw your attention to Ruth chapter 2 and stand in honor of God's word, notice verse 17 and we'll read through the end of, end of the chapter. And so she gleaned in the field until evening. She beat out what, was, what she gleaned. It was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went to the city. Her mother-in-law saw that she had gleaned. And she brought out and gave to her food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed is the man who took notice of you. And she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. And Naomi said to her, this man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, well, besides that, he said to me, you shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that you go out with this young woman, lest in another field you be assaulted. And so she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of barley and wheat harvests. And she lived with her mother-in-law. You can be seated. Every scene changes as it pivots around kindness. And throughout this story, we see a chain reaction that changes and drives the events and the direction of this story. And that chain reaction is through the element, the attitude and the action of kindness. It runs as a domino effect through this story. It really begins in chapter one when, when Naomi, who's lost her sons, who's lost her husband, and has decided to head back to Bethlehem and releases her daughter-in-laws. We see the first act of kindness, the real kindness through a person when Ruth says, no, I'm not going. I'm leaving my people and I'm making your people my people. I'm leaving my God and I'm making your God my God. And, and nothing's going to part with me. I'm going I'm to, where you go, I'll go. And we see this incredible act of kindness by this young woman who doesn't have any obligation to stay with her, decides to link herself to this widow. And then beyond linking herself to this widow, decides to help this widow. And so in chapter 2, Ruth gets up. And she goes out and gleans. And she, as she goes out to a field, meets kindness in a way that she hasn't seen before. She stumbles upon this field that was owned by a man who shows incredible kindness. He's allowed his field to be one that, that widows and, and aliens and, and poor people could glean in and, and pick up things. And then he takes notice of her. And then what we looked at last week is we saw how this man Boaz, this kind and worthy, righteous man, begins to bless Ruth and he provides her protection and he provides her provision and then he goes beyond and he satisfies her, he encourages her, he, he does all sorts of incredible things so that she experiences an unexpected, surprising kindness to her. And then we see she benefits from that kindness. In fact, verse 17 is where we pick up in that and 
After gleaning that field with the protection of Boaz and the provision of Boaz, I mean, he went extravagantly where he said to his workers, hey, listen, provide for this woman. Drop some on the ground. Leave some behind. Let her come up close and work with you guys as she gleans. And she doesn't just come away with a sack. She comes away with, it says, an ephah of barley, which would have been about five to six gallons of grain, amounting 30 to 50 pounds. I mean, she is overwhelmed by what she's received. She abides in it. She feels comfort. and She feels like she's found favor there. It's an overwhelming thing. And then in verse 18, we see Ruth turn that kindness, chain reaction continue as she turns it back to Naomi and it does something in Naomi. Ruth walks in and I don't know what Naomi had been expecting. To be honest with you, we're not even sure Naomi knew a whole lot about what Ruth was doing that day. Maybe she was expecting Ruth to come back and with maybe just a a handful or a satchel of of grain, something for them to eat. Maybe she was expecting her to come back empty-handy, but she doesn't come back empty-handy and she doesn't come back with the satchel. She comes back with a load. I mean, she's carrying 30 to 50 pounds of grain, likely on her head or her shoulder. And then also she's got leftovers from lunch that day. And it tells us in verse 18 that she, she delivers that to her. She, she gives her the leftovers and shows that. And, and, and Ruth, Naomi's response is, is, what on earth? Where have you been? What did you do? Who were you with? And who did all of this for you? In one day, In verse 18, we see everything change for Naomi. When we saw her last in chapter 1, she was a broken, lonely, hopeless, bitter woman who had come back empty with nothing, with no hope and no expectation, and now she is amazed at what happened in one day. And in one day, 10 years were reversed. Woman who left Naomi, pleasant, who left home and returned bitter and changed her name to Mara. That woman is no longer because of the kindness that she saw that day. Just look at the line of one person to another, how it affects one person, that effect goes to another, the domino effect that kindness would have. Don't miss that. Friends, please don't miss this. Kindness can change everything for someone. Kindness matters. It is a subtle undertone that drives through and it is the framework that makes this story what it is. But it also leads Naomi to a realization of something. 
As Naomi and Ruth are processing this, what happened and who was it? And she's told in verse 19 that, listen, I went to this guy's field. His name is Boaz. Ruth doesn't know who Boaz is. Ruth is totally unaware of Boaz. She had one conversation with Boaz. She didn't know that's who field she was in. She knows nothing about Boaz. Boaz hasn't explained anything to her. Boaz knew her, though. And so she says, that the guy's field that I was in was, was this guy. He was a really nice old guy and took care of me and provided me all these things. His name was Boaz. And at that moment in verse 20, something happens. Something clicks in the head and the heart of Naomi. Because her response is it's different. And it says in verse 20, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord. Which is not a surprise. I mean, that she would say blessing to the Lord. I mean, this is what a nice guy. God bless him for doing this. I mean, let's just pray for Boaz right now because we, 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 have, we have not just a day of food, we have not just a week of food. We have a lot here. We could actually sell some of this and, and have some income and, and pay rent or something like that. There's, this is providing so much. May, may God bless this man. But what she says next shows that something has clicked in her head. May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. It was almost as if a light bulb went off. As though 10 years of bitter, lonely hardness Doubt and confusion, grief and frustration. She sees something that she hasn't seen before. It's as though what she says here is, I see it. I'm not really empty. And this dealing bitterly that I've been through in this hard circumstance has really turned out as kindness. Something she had forgotten all along, something that had been something that she had not thought of in a long time that she had probably begun to doubt very much. So overwhelmed by her current and so overwhelmed by her here and now that she missed the overall theme and the overall thing that was happening in her life, that through all the little things and all the happenstances and all the circumstances and all the people, God has been kind. Amen. Naomi credits the kindness that she's been shown, the kindness that Ruth's been shown, the kindness that Boaz has been shown from the one that started it all to God's kindness. She gives him the credit for that. That it's not just Ruth, you've been kind to me, but you've been kind to me for a reason. And it's not just Boaz, it's been kind to us. It's been, he's been kind to us for a reason. And when she thought about it in this one statement, she makes this statement who's not forsaken the living and the dead because to this point, she's felt like she's been forsaken. That she's been left alive while the rest of her family's dead. And the name of her husband and the name of her sons are no longer alive, they're dead. Her future, her hope, her chances of being a grandmother, of raising another generation, it's dead. And likely she'll be dead 
long. God has forsaken her and for, forgotten her, but here she sees. No, he has not. Not only has he been kind to me, the living, he has done something way beyond that. She sees the hand of God, the kindness of God. For in chapter 1, it was God who had visited his people and given them food. Centuries before this, it was God who had established the gleaning laws for his people to provide for people like Ruth and Naomi. It was God who had changed the heart of Ruth and switched her from being a worshiper of foreign gods to a worshiper of the one true God. And it was God that led that decision to allow Ruth to be linked to Naomi. It was God who had blessed this man Boaz. It was God who had poured into this man Boaz that in a day and time where everyone did what was right in their eyes, this man stayed true to God's word and God's way and was a man of God who displayed and obeyed the law. And it was God that led him to do so much more than what was expected. God had been good to Naomi. And all this kindness that she was facing here was the hand of God weaving his kindness through people. This word kindness is a significant word in this story, but it's also a significant word in the Old Testament. This word here appears three times in this story at major moments. But this word appears over 248 times in the Old Testament. It's the Hebrew word hesed. Now it's a word that's really hard to understand. And in many different places, this word hesed is translated in different ways. But almost every time that it appear, it is a word that describes God. In fact, you, you could rightly argue that the most common expression of who God is and what God does is this word hesed. It's the most dominant and it's the most praised attributes of God through the Old Testament. Here it, it appears as kindness, but it's translated differently in different contexts. Most often we've read it as steadfast love or loving kindness. This word speaks of the realm of God's love, his kindness, and the things that flow from that kindness, such as his faithfulness and his forgiveness, his grace and his mercy. The closest that we can get to understand and describe this is this word steadfast love, which appears over, it just fact, in the Psalms, that word, that phrase, hesed, appears over 128 times in praise and adoration of God and worship of God. It's his most praised attribute, his steadfast love, his hesed, his kindness. It speaks of his relentless, faithful, strong, abundant, not able to understand and grasp all of it, his love that it goes far beyond expectation, that it's unconditional and it's steady and faithful and it's always there. And his action and what God does pours out from that. 
It's really indescribable. There's never been a love and there's no love like that. It means something significant when the, when the New Testament writer says God is love. Because there's nothing like him. And there's nothing like love like his. And here, Naomi recognizes it. His hesed. His love. There's several things that this story shows us about this, this attribute of God, this love, this, this kindness of God. And we can learn a whole lot about it throughout the rest of the, the Bible, but, but right here in this story, we, we learn three specific things about the kindness of God. First of all, it's faithful. It's constant. His kindness hasn't stopped. It's worked its way through. It's, it's always been there. Naomi asks for it in chapter 1, verse 8. She's praying for her daughter-in-laws and praying that God would be kind to them. This same word, hesed. And, and here she sees God answer that prayer, that it's been steady. It's always been there. That it wasn't that he pulled off and it wasn't that he picked up some other attribute or he picked up some other thing. It was that God is faithful in his kindness. We also see that it's generous. This story shows us the, the generous kindness of God through the characters of this story. It's beyond what you could imagine. That, that morning, Ruth had gone to a field hoping that she would see someone and that there would be someone that would allow her just to pick up some of the, the leftovers on the ground, just glean some of the leftovers. And maybe she'd have something to make a meal later in. But what she finds that day is far beyond what she expected or what she asked for. She's overwhelmed by it. Never in a thousand years would she have imagined that she'd come home with a whole sack full of grain and lunch to share with her mother-in-law. She's overwhelmed by the generosity of this man, Boaz, who God displayed his kindness, his generous kindness through. God's kindness to us is generous. His mercy and his forgiveness, his love and his grace, it's not just what we would hope for. It's far more than we could ever imagine or think of. It's overwhelming. It's rich and abundant. Ruth seeks it and she experiences so much more than she could have ever imagined of God's kindness. It's also a kindness that knows no bounds. What's astounding in this story is that this kindness to Ruth crossed a lot of lines that people didn't cross in those days. You see, Boaz is a Jew. And now Ruth is a Moabite. And the Jews were actually specifically told, do not associate yourself with Moabites. Yet what Boaz shows us of God's kindness is that it knows no limits or bounds. Crossing ethnic lines to give his faithfulness and his generosity. And oh friend, you and I ought to be grateful for that.
because most of us aren't Jews. Boaz broke tradition. He broke cultural expectations and he showed the generous and faithful kindness of God that is boundless to whom it would reach. This is who our God is. Through this family and through their circumstances and through this story, we see the kindness of God. It's interesting that when you think of the God of the Old Testament, we, we think of this big, high, harsh, judgmental, wrathful God. When the truth of the matter is, is his kindness is the prevailing theme through the Old Testament. That his kindness is the main thing. That God is showing his love and his forbearance, his patience, his mercy, his, his grace, his forgiveness, his care and concern and compassion, even through the pages and the turns and the barley of this story. And here's, here's the point I want to make. Here's something that you need to understand. That listen, God will show his kindness to you as you seek it because it's who he is. It's not hard to find the kindness of God. It's not hard to find the love and the compassion, the mercy and the grace of God. Scripture tells us, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your welfare, not for your evil, to give you a hope and a future. Verse that we've come to over and over again, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And listen to what Jesus says. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells us very, very plainly. He says this in verse 7, ask and it'll be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone that asks, receives and he that seeks, finds and and he the knocks, the one that knocks, it'll be open. Or which of you, if his son asks for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, would, would give him a serpent? You're not going to do that. If you, then who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him. Our God is good. And his most dominant feature is his hesed. In fact, I would argue that everything he does is from that loving kindness, that steadfast, relentless, and enduring love that he has for us. And if you seek it, you will find it. And no matter what circumstance you're in, no matter what you're facing and feeling right now, 
There is the Hesed theme thread running through it. You may not see it, you may not feel it, but friends, it is there because he is faithful, he is generous, and it knows no bounds. And I can promise you, it is in your circumstance, whether you see it, feel it, or know it or not. God will show his kindness as you seek it. The second thing I want you to recognize and understand this, it's just as important. It's that God uses people to show his kindness. That's what this story's about. Naomi recognizes the, the, the line here. She recognizes that ultimately this is God's kindness, but God's kindness came to her through her daughter-in-law, Ruth, who linked herself to her, who got up the next day and began to work on behalf of Naomi to provide for Naomi. And that she was blessed and, and met this really kind and gracious man who was incredibly generous and provided for them. And here she is overwhelmed and completely changed by the kindness that God over here wanted Naomi to feel and recognize and understand, but came through the avenue of people. Those who know the kindness of God should show the kindness of God. Those of us who've experienced the kindness of God through his grace and his mercy, his forgiveness, shared on the cross of Jesus Christ for us. The kindness that changed us, the kindness that transforms us, and the kindness that puts the Holy Spirit of God himself in us should display the kindness of God in our lives. Recipients of the kindness of God should be vessels of the kindness of God. Those with whom have been blessed by the kindness of God should bless others with the kindness of God. Does this make sense? Just you shake your head if it doesn't. Okay, let me, let me put this a little bit simpler. God's been kind to you, so be kind. We'll dumb it down a little simpler than this. Be kind. It's that simple. These people that experience it and they display it, and God expects the same for us. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit, God living in us, is the fruit of kindness, that it would come out of us. God uses people to show his kindness. Listen, listen. Don't choke the kindness of God off from this world. Be a facilitator of it. The sad truth of the matter is, we rob this world of knowing the kindness of our God because we aren't kind. More often, we let our selfishness and our anger and our frustration and our pride and our sin to be on the forefront 
We put ourselves before others. And we don't consider those things. We want things our way. And we think we're entitled and deserve to be treated in such a way. And our greediness, we choke that off. We, we, we choke off the kindness of God by just being the fleshly sinful people that we are. And so people don't know that our God is really, really good, really kind. Could it be that the world knows so little of God because we show them so little of him? Could it be that our world hates God so much because we give them a reason to. God doesn't need your help in a sinful world hating him. God's left you on this earth, saved you, and put you where you're yet to show this world his loving kindness. Don't choke the kindness of God off from this world. Just as his kindness is faithful. Just as we see his faithful kindness in this story. Listen, we ought to be faithful with our kindness. Our kindness shouldn't be a, a reluctant thing. It should be a consistent thing. It shouldn't be, well, you caught me on a good day. Or I was just, I was just feeling a little kind today. It shouldn't be just something that we, we do kind things. No, we should be kind people. People shouldn't be surprised that Christians are kind. Yet today, they really are. It should be faithful kindness, consistent, steady, always there. It's who we are. Just as his kindness is generous, so ours should be generous. We should be generous with our kindness. We're generous people. Yet are we really this? Well, I think so. Well, statistics tell us differently. That giving, charitable giving from Christians has dropped 50% since 1990. That only 10 to 25% of people who go to church give charitably. That right now the average Christian only gives 2.2% of their income to anything. Which is astounding because during the Great Depression, the hardest time our country faced, that number was 3.3%. It's crazy. We are wealthier and better off than we've ever been, and yet we are more greedy and less generous than we've ever been. And just as God, our kindness should know no bounds. It's easy to be kind to people that are kind to us. It's easy to be kind to people that we think deserve kindness. It's easy to be kind to people that are like us, that are our people, our posse. We're kind to our friends. We're kind to our family. But yet we have a really, really hard time being kind to people that are not like us and that don't deserve our kindness. Let me tell you something. You didn't deserve the kindness of God. There are no conditions to be met by a person that should receive kindness from us. Not a skin color, yet there is a skin color problem. 
Not an economic problem, but there is an economic problem. Not, not an attitude problem, but there's an attitude problem that we have in sharing and giving kindness. We limit, we choke people off of kindness because our kindness does no bounds. We have limits. There are certain things that we will do. I got to be on a good mood. I got to have a good day. I got to be feeling extra generous. I got to have gotten a bonus this week. Somebody could have, could have been kind, needed to be kind to me for me to be kind to someone. Our, our, our kindness is bound but God's kindness doesn't. So listen, God uses people to show his kindness. And so be an avenue, be a facilitator of his kindness. This story would have never happened had God's people not acted like God. Amen. There's something we can't miss. There's something I don't want you to miss. It stands off the page in verse 20. And we'll get more to this word. There's a, a word mentioned here in verse 20, and we'll spend more time. Really, the rest of the book is about this word. But I think it's significant, and I want to draw attention to it, and then, and then we'll go home and tip our waitresses and waiters really, really good because we're kind people. So Naomi says in verse 20, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness is not forsaken the living and the dead. And then Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours. And then a new word, one of our redeemers. See, it's on this verse that the entire story changes. That idea of redeemer, what, what Naomi meant by that, we, we won't even talk about it this week, but what Naomi meant by that is what the rest of the story is about. But I don't want you to miss this. It's through kindness that the Redeemer comes to the surface. Did you see that? She recognizes the kindness that she's received. She recognizes the kindness of God. And it's through that kindness that the Redeemer comes to the surface. You see, this story is not just telling us the story of Ruth and Naomi. This is telling us the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is telling your story and my story and all of humanity's story that through God's kindness comes a picture of a greater kindness and an act of greater kindness. Amen. That he brings us the Redeemer through his kindness. Paul said in Romans chapter 2 verse 4, Are you, Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? And then Paul says to Titus in chapter 3 verse 4, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of our works done by us, in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Christ Jesus, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. God's kindness brought the Redeemer. 
And God uses the redeemed to show his kindness so they may see the Redeemer. And Naomi sees it. And God wants people in your life to see it too. I love how this, this story ends, this, this chapter ends. It's, it's actually kind of cute, if I can use that word. I mean, really, it's kind of turned into to two giddy women. I mean, they're just excited. I mean, there's so much going through their heads. I mean, they get into this whole, he said, she said. Well, what did he say? We said this, and they're talking it back and forth. And, and, and then Ruth, Ruth says this. I mean, there's just this giddiness, this excitement. This is, this is not the same Naomi of chapter one. It's so clear at the end of chapter two. God's kindness to her and what she realizes absolutely changes everything about her. And gosh, doesn't God's kindness to us do the same thing? And so you have this, he said, she said, what did you say? What did you say? I mean, it's back and forth, back and forth. And, and the Ruth said, oh, yeah, check this out, Naomi. He also said for me to stay close to his young men. Like he's going to take care of me. And then all of a sudden, this bitter widow, an instinct that she had long forgotten, is revived. You see, it had been a long time since she had been a mom. And it wakes up here, and I just love it in verse 20. I mean, Ruth says, he said, stay close to his young men. He's going to protect me. And it's almost like the mama, Naomi, wakes up. Whoa, 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 whoa. Ruth, that's good. It will be good if you stay close to the young women so that you won't be assaulted. I mean, mama kicks in. And she says, Ruth, don't you, don't you be around those men. They're, they're, they're rough men. They're, they're dangerous men. It's nice. But why don't you stay close to, to the women? Why don't you stay close to the other young ladies like you? It's almost as if she says, listen, Ruth, I know you're excited over looking for a future. And I know you have the opportunity to get, wait, don't settle for one of those men. Keep your standards high. Keep your purity strong. Keep yourself safe. See, Naomi now shows kindness to Ruth and her advice. And Ruth, what a great lesson as well, takes it. it. Tells us that she kept close to the young women, which is a great word, a great word for a congregation like this. So we got a lot of old people and a lot of young people and a lot of old people who think they're young and a lot of young people that act like they're old. We would do really well to not forget the wisdom and the counsel of an older generation. Like Ruth, she benefits from it. Because God's kindness is working in their life and through that kindness, a redeemer is shown and God expects and calls those who are redeemed to show this world the redeemer 
through their kindness. Let's pray.